Worldwide parent coach and conscious educator, Sue DeCaro, is on a mission to revitalize the joy in parenting. Welcome to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids, a podcast designed to help parents all over the world create deeper connections with themselves and their children while overcoming life's daily parenting challenges. Listen in if you want to bring more laughter, love, and enjoyment to your home life. Welcome to Conscious Parents Thriving Kids, a place for all things parenting. I am your host, Sue DeCaro. Today, I'm pleased to introduce my special guest, Anya Munas. Anya is an educator and parent coach specializing in helping parents talk with their kids about sex and relationships. As a high school teacher for over a decade, she became intimately aware of teen struggles and how our current sex ed programs and parenting culture failed to give kids the skills that they need to navigate adolescence safely. Anya hosts the annual Talk to Kids About Sex interview series and speaks publicly at schools, parent groups, conferences, and private events. She coaches parents privately and in groups, helping them to build skills around feeling and defending boundaries, articulating sexual values, answering children's questions, and becoming critical thinkers about sex in the media. Anya, welcome. I'm so excited that you're here with me today talking about this very, very important topic. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So let's dive right in. How can we and when can we as parents begin to lay the foundation for oh, there's these a lot we can do? Okay, great. Let's let's dive in and share that. Well, you know, the number one thing that people say, and you know, this is not just me and the circle of sex educators that I know, but the parents that I survey who have older kids, they always say that they wish they had started earlier. And so I think that that's something we can all take to heart, especially those of us who are new parents, is that it's really never too early to start. That's not to say that you're explaining to a two-year-old what sex is, but there are topics that we can approach much earlier that we don't even realize we could be teaching. And so that's things like consent. We can be doing consent with babies. We can be naming anatomical parts with babies. We can even be starting to explain what's public and what's private at a much younger age than people realize. And so I think there's a lot that we can do in the preschool years, even before we're doing something like explaining what sex is. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things as you're talking that comes to my mind is, is the fear that sometimes comes up, even with a two-year-old, you know, naming the private parts or three-year-old or a four-year-old. Or, you know, grandpa comes in and wants a hug. And, you know, this is a big thing I hear a lot, and perhaps you do too. Mm-hmm. And the parent feels forcing, or feels forced to create that relationship where a child goes and gives uh, grandpa a hug, where this is, this is about consent, right? This is an opportunity yes. to teach consent at a very, very young age. Exactly. I think that those issues pop up a ton. And so... Consent at a very young age comes up. Even us adults getting comfortable with words 
because sometimes we have a lot of trouble saying words like anus or penis or vagina or vulva, right? Some of those are just not part of our normal day-to-day life. And then here comes this little child and this child wants to know what are the names or wants to know what they should do as they're trying to be potty trained. And if we don't use those words, we unconsciously pass on some shame. If instead we use cutesy words or no words at all, just there's no name for that spot on your body. We don't talk about that. Then we're passing something down that isn't ideal. We don't actually want to create that foundation. It's much better if we as adults can work on our own issues and get to the point where we can say those words and be comfortable with bodies. And and that comes from our own upbringing and our own conditioning and, and society, correct? I mean, I know in my family, nobody ever talked about, you know, anything, really. I mean, when I was 13, I think was the first time any kind of like sexual conversation occurred. But prior yeah, to I that, agree. parents didn't do that. Would you agree with that? I do agree. I think that it's been handed down. You know, here in the United States, we've got this puritanical background. And I think that a lot of the sexual shame has been handed down generation to generation to generation. And that's not to say that we should sort of embrace hippie sexual, like everybody gets to do everything anytime they want. I'm not saying that we can't have any boundaries, but the idea that it can't be talked about or that it can't be labeled or discussed, that's the one that I'm particularly passionate about because I think that we should and can be thinking much more deeply about this and not just reacting mm-hmm. to the situation we find ourselves in. So when you, when you speak with a group or talk with parents and you see the fear, because I, I think fear is one of the things that is a driving force, how do you help them to see the fear? Because I think that is one of the biggest issues is we're in our own way. Yeah, I think that one thing that helps is presenting people with simple facts. Here's the current situation, right? Here are the statistics we have around child sexual abuse. Here are the statistics we have around pornography. And so here are the facts. This is what's happening in our society. Now, I know that you've got this ideal for your child. You know, your hopes and dreams are that your child will have great sexual experiences. They'll never be hurt. They'll be able to stand up for themselves, you know? And so we talk about what are your hopes and dreams and what are the blocks that prevent you from just accomplishing that, right? Like when we make a grocery list, we just go to the store and we accomplish it. We bring home all the things we need. But when a parent is in one of my workshops and says something like, you know, I really want my child to come to me first with their questions. And then I say, all right, so what's so hard about accomplishing that? And then the parent says, well, I don't know what to say, or I'm afraid of making my child uncomfortable. So we start examining those blocks and that I think starts to dissipate the fear. Let's make sure that we answer our children's questions in a way that doesn't overwhelm them. Or -hmm. let's make sure that we have our values defined so that you do know what you wanna say and you don't have to turn into some fire hose searching for words and overwhelming your child as you muddle through it, mm-hmm. right? Let's make it a positive experience so that those questions and conversations keep happening. Beautiful, I, I love that advice and, and way to dissect the fear. I think um, you hit something that uh, I can remember a question coming up in my own uh, experiences with the child, answering just the question that they're asking and not overwhelming them with information was something that you said. And I I just want to highlight that 
I can remember when my three-year-old, my youngest child, said to me, you know, how do babies get here? Uh, or how do babies get out of your tummy? So she knew that a baby would be in the tummy in most cases, and um, well, in all cases. Um, and she wanted to know how the baby got out. And, you know, it wasn't, it, it, the more I answered it in a simplistic way, the more she asked questions. And I thought, isn't this interesting? I'm just following her lead. And I was just plain honest, you know, with the simplicity of a three-year-old's ability to handle, you know, the conversation. And uh, yet I didn't, I didn't know any better at that time. But afterward, I remember thinking, what just happened? <laughs> what was that about? How can a three-year-old be asking all of these questions? And I remember thinking, I have a very inquisitive child. And she thinks through to the next step and the next step. And you know, I better be ready because who knows what's coming next, right? Uh, yeah, well, to some extent, this is a problem we've created for ourselves. If you think about us being cave people or, you know, living on a farm, a three-year-old may very well see a birth happening in the spring. Mm. You know, I mean, this is how it always used to happen. And so unless you've got, you know, cats and dogs that you haven't spayed and neutered, or unless you're on a farm or living on the edge of a forest, your child isn't seeing birth the way that they probably would have 10,000 years ago. Mm -hmm. 1,000 years ago, you know? Mm -hmm. And so kids are coming to us with these questions and we don't know how to answer them because we've sheltered them. And I think that we don't realize that we've sort of created that problem for ourselves. And then when we are the ones who have to educate our kids about it, we sometimes clam up because we're not sure the best way to go about it. Mm, beautiful. So, so education starts at a young age. We have to be comfortable in our own ability to talk about sex and everything around it with freedom, with freedom. And we also are the guides and the teachers for our children, correct? Absolutely. Or at least I think we should be. We should there be. There are many parents who say, well, I learned about it on the playground, you know, <laughs> and I turned out all right. And I would question that. I'd say, let's look at today's statistics. Is that working out for us? Is this what we're satisfied with or do we want to change it? Yeah. So let's, let's talk a little bit about what that looks like in terms of teaching, guiding, uh, and influencing our kids when it comes to the internet and it comes to social media posts, it comes to, you know, looking up, you know, things that might be deemed by a parent inappropriate. How, how does one navigate that? Well, I think the very biggest problem with the internet is internet pornography. Mm -hmm. And so, unfortunately, the porn industry has figured out, they've done their own studies, they've, they've figured it out from their own trends, that kids are the fastest growing group of new users, right? So if they get kids looking at pornography early, those kids tend to continue to look at pornography. It, it develops a habit. And so it is in the industry's interest to reach kids, which means that they will make it easy. They will put lightsaber or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or whatever keywords they can think of into the search terms for their videos and pictures and so on. And so kids will be moving around the internet in innocent ways, but they'll stumble across what the pornography industry has put in their path. Or they'll be clicking around, you know age-appropriate 
games and movies and other media. And again, the porn industry will have placed a link in their path. And so kids stumble across it unless parents and schools and youth groups and other organizations have actually put the controls in place. So that's not, you know, just limited to social media, that's everything. But without those controls, it's very, very hard for us to keep kids sheltered from the porn industry, which I believe is the correct thing to do. Mm -hmm. So what, so a parent who's listening might be saying, well, what would you suggest as a way to, to really create those boundaries for my kids? How can I create them? When is you know the right time to create them around uh, technology? Around you know yeah. Being so able there's to access this. There's a couple sides to it, right? There's what we can do to shelter kids, and there's also what we can do to prepare kids, and those are different. So, for example, I wouldn't expect my child to be able to control her sugar craving. I know that if she's given access to all the candy, she will eat all the candy. And so I control that, right? I shelter her from that because I know that she's not able to um, make judgment around that. She's not able to make healthy choices. And that's just because of her age and her developmental awareness. So I would say that that's similar to the pornography that a lot of kids just are not able to make wise choices for themselves, and that's why we wanna shelter them from it, and that's why things like parental controls exist. But let's also acknowledge that that's an armed race. The porn industry wants to reach kids, the parental controls wants to keep them out, they keep you know, <laughs> changing what they do and trying to one-up each other, and so it's never gonna be perfect. So knowing that, it's also helpful for us to be educating and preparing kids. So just the way I'd explained to my daughter that sugar isn't good for her and that's why she is limited, that's why mama doesn't give her as much as she wants, I can explain all of that to her. I can also explain about pornography to a child. And in terms of when would you start doing that? Well, as soon as a child knows what sex is, you can add on, hey, there are pictures and videos of people doing everything that people do. It's just so easy to take pictures and videos. And so there are pictures and videos of sex too. And just like sex is something private, those pictures and videos are something private. They're not to be shared. Just like sex is for adults and not for kids, those pictures and videos, that pornography is not for kids. It's for adults. And so we can explain it. And there's actually children's literature out there. There are kids' books explaining, why ki explaining what pornography is and what kids can do which mostly is to push it away, close their eyes and go tell an adult. Mm. Beautifully shared. And I love, you know, I love the combination of shelter and prepare. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things uh, in my experiences in working with parents that does come up in these conversations when we're educating and preparing our children about technology, about porn, you know, having conversations about sex is a curiosity because as we share these things, as we're teaching and explaining and highlighting and you know what, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, so to speak, their curiosity peaks. So when we talk about a child, talk with the child about the fact that you know the internet is porn and what porn is and why it's not for children, the child's curiosity is peaked. Would you agree? I think so. There are certainly going to be some kids who are grossed out and are not curious, but there are also a whole bunch of kids who will be curious and they will want to know why. Why is this not good for me? 
And that's where the parent or whomever being prepared with some really solid explanations that aren't limiting the child so much as being the child's ally. Like when the child hears, I'm not allowed to have this, it feels like a limit. Mm -hmm. And so we need to come at it with a slightly different approach, explaining why that limit is protective. And so let's, uh, what are your thoughts and what do you share with parents when a child stumbles on some sort of pornography? I, I remember one of my kids going over to a friend's house and stumbling on a site and I have, I can't remember what they were looking up at this point. It doesn't really matter, but stumbled on a site boobs, you know, and a million boobs came up and she came home like horrified and, you know, talking about how this happened and what happened, you know, obviously you can't control what's going on at another, another child's home, what their boundaries are, you know, what the, uh, internet, uh, you know, um, restrictions are. So how do you support parents with things like that? And I'm bringing up my own, you know, real life experiences, even though they happened years and years and years ago, uh, because I think they're helpful for parents to heal, hear real life experiences as they think about these things. Yeah. And I have a client who her 12 year old went over to a friend's house and the two 12 year old girls were watching the dog and the dog started licking himself. <laughs> and they went, oh, you know, dogs licking its butt, that's gross. And then some, one of them said, oh, did you know people can do that too? Which prompted an internet search, which brought them right to pornography. And so like, yes, the curiosity is there. The natural associations are there. You don't know what kind of parental controls are at play in another person's house. So all of that is true. And again, it goes back to, can we talk about this stuff? So, for example, you might already routinely ask another family if they have a gun in their home before you allow your child to go over there. I feel like that's even harder of a question to ask than to ask them, do, they, do you have parental controls on the internet devices in your home? And so can we talk about this or does it feel too vulnerable? And if it feels too vulnerable, why? How can we start to figure out the words that make it so that we're not judging them, but we're coming from a place where we're like, I'm really just trying to be my child's ally. I want to make sure that my child is safe. Mm -hmm. And if we're not willing to do that, then it's really not going to happen at all. And we're opening ourselves up to that risk, whether it's the handgun in the house or the open internet. And so I just want to say, hey, there is something that we can do there as parents. But there will also be times when your child goes to you know, someone's house and you think you've crossed all the teased and dotted all the I's and asked all the questions and yet something else happened, right? Like often parents will put parental controls on all the kids' devices, but not their own devices. Right. And then for whatever reason, kid gets into mom or dad's phone or mom or dad's laptop. And so it can't be 100% controlled. I agree with you there. And when kids do get into that stuff, then, you know, hopefully they're willing to tell us what happened or the parents, you know, notice that there was an odd search, but however it comes out, can we then engage in that conversation with the child and say, Hey, how was it for you to see all of that stuff? You know, were you horrified? You know, what did you learn from that? Or how, how is it that we can engage them in a conversation that carries us forward so that we continue to be their ally and their resource as opposed to the person who caught them? I love that. And, and the word caught is, I think, 
the, an issue. I think the more we can look at walking side by side with our kids with a conscious approach, which, you know, of course, is something I teach in the world as well, and focus on working with them, not looking for a way to discipline or, you know, bring shame to whatever comes up. But if they see something or if they begin to be curious and something occurred that maybe we weren't expecting, of course, or we don't want to have occur, how we come to the table with it, I think is a huge, huge issue or could be a huge issue. And looking at our children as these beings that are learning and growing and us as their ushers and guides to support them not bring shame, not bring discipline, not bring corrective action from a negative place, but just as the things that you said, how was that for you? What did that bring up for you? What did you think about that? To open up the conversation, not just for today, but from, you know, for today on forward so that our kids do come to us and not just to talk about sex, but to talk about anything that is going on and know that we are there for them. It requires us being able to say, oh my God, my daughter went over to her friend's house and saw pornography and that doesn't make me a bad parent. Right. Because right. if I start judging myself in that way, like I didn't do enough, then I'm going to have a completely different response to my child, a very defensive, angry response because I'm feeling all of that hurt inside myself. But if I already know, hey, I really can't control the internet. I really can't control all of these variables. I can do my best in terms of prevention, but at the end of the day, whatever happens, happens. And my child's curiosity is normal and natural and that my child is proactive and knows that they can search something up. You know, that's a skill. And so we really have to deal with our own crap mm -hmm. and then recognize that whatever happened, happened. And how do we move forward in a positive direction that enables conversation? I, I love that. Control is an illusion anyway. So we can put on, you know, put in all sorts of safeguards against whatever it is we're trying to avoid. But control is an illusion. If there's a will, there's a way. And I agree, removing the judgment from, you know, our own parenting and looking at everything that occurs as an opportunity to have that conversation. So if they saw porn, it's a new opportunity for a new conversation. Sure, it's not what we wanted, but it, it does open the door to more conversation, right? More and more. Absolutely, it does. It's not the way in which I would hope that you get to have your first conversations about pornography with your child. Uh, but if it happens, then yes, it's an opportunity. Well, it was mine. It was my first. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's how it happened. So, you know, sometimes it, it is what it is. And, you know, we have to move forward in the best possible way. And as you said, with positivity, because there's nothing we can do about something that happened five minutes ago or yesterday other than move forward and try to um, open the door for conversation and uh, positive reinforcement for the future. Yes, we are where we are at as parents and we will, you know, <laughs> learn as we go. And so with your first child, you will have some experiences, you know, and then you'll say, wow, that's not how I want to do it the next time around. If you have a second child, you may do it differently. And mm -hmm. so I definitely talk with a bunch of parents, you know, they, they call me for free consults or, you know, email me and they say, hey, this is what happened with my eldest. 
and now I have another chance with, you know, the second or the third child, and I want to do it better. You know, I realize I want to start younger, or I want to do this differently, and how can I go about that, right? Because just following my instincts was repeating a pattern that actually wasn't the healthiest, right? Like my parents didn't talk to me about that, and that was a mistake. And I didn't talk to you about that, but now with my next child, I realize I want to do it differently. And so as we learn and grow, we can set new goals for ourselves saying, hey, I really want to do that in a healthier way, in a more proactive way. I really want to be more conscious of this and give it more attention earlier because it's going to help my child develop in a healthier way. And so I've, I find I get a lot of parents who are doing this for the second or the third time and want to do it a little bit better. Beautiful. Beautiful. What a great resource you are. So would you mind sharing with our listeners what uh, or where they can find you um, on the internet? <laughs> Absolutely. So my website is talkingaboutsex.com and you can find everything about me there. Uh, for those who are interested in diving into specific topics, whether it's how do we talk with littles about, you know, uh, private parts or doctor play or whether it's how we talk with teens about things like pornography and consent. There's, there's stuff at all ages. There's a list of children's books that you can access. There's all kinds of resources and blog posts. And so just visit the website and you'll see what I'm all about. Awesome. Do you have any parting words or advice or thoughts that you want to share with our listeners today? That Often parenting partners aren't having these conversations with each other. And I find that that is the most helpful piece is facilitating that conversation between the two partners and helping the two partners get to the point where they can agree on what are the values that they want to share with the kids so that they have some phrasing. Often partners are surprised at what each other would say about pornography or masturbation or any of these tougher topics. And um, it's really going to be helpful to have those conversations now, as opposed to later when you're on the spot with your child. Mm. So trying to bring yourself on the same page. As I think so. I, well, it's practice in a way, right? Because your parenting partner knows your child as well as you do. And so if you say, well, what would we say to our daughter about this or that? You know, this is your chance to kind of role play it in a sense and find out what each other are comfortable with. And that's brilliant because we all can use practice in that area, correct? <laughs> well, you don't have to wait for the time when to come when you have to talk about pornography, right? You get to have right. that conversation at any time when you're ready for it. Or and anything. partner is available. Or anything about sex, anything. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. It's just been an honor to talk with you about this very important subject, and I appreciate all that you're doing in the world. Thank you. I appreciate what you're doing too. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And to our listeners, thank you so much for joining us. Remember, every moment is a new moment for Conscious Connections. Thanks for listening to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend and be sure to give us some stars and a favorable review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in.